the master's tools, or is this what democracy looks like? I'd been thinking about tools, the tools we need to create the change we need right now. And Audre Lorde's quote, for the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house, kept coming into my head. So did Ani DeFranco's line, every tool is a weapon if you hold it right. A strange pairing? Maybe, but Lorde and DeFranco were both pretty central to my in my development as a feminist writer and radical queer in the 90s, so I'm going for it. Let's see what happens. Then I had a dream that prominently featured the Ace of Pentacles card from the Next World Tarot. I don't remember what the dream was about. I only know I woke up with the card's image in my mind's eye, and the image returned to me throughout the day. I'm still a tarot novice, but I know the aces are about the potential of the suite. They indicate the incipient power rooted in the suite's element, which for pentacles is the earth, associated with materiality, manifestation, abundance. Christy Rode, the creator of, of this deck, writes, quote, The ace of pentacles asks you to see the work you do as your magic. In order to find stability, your work can be a bridge between logical commitments and whimsical dreams, end quote. Ace of Pentacles is also about accepting the tools at hand. So the message was clear. Building the next world requires using the tools at hand. It was an invitation to trust that such day-to-day -day work can be the bridge towards manifesting profoundly different ways of living on this planet with each other, and with all the beings than the dominant, than the ways of the dominant society. I write this on the morning after the Iowa caucus fiasco, as the Senate prepares to acquit Trump and he prepares his State of the Union address. It looks like American democracy TM is falling apart, failing miserably. It's not, of course failing, I mean. I know, and I keep learning more, how American Democracy TM is simply living up to its founding. My latest discovery on this topic came from the podcast Seen on Radio's new series, The Land That Has Never Been Yet. In the second episode, they explore how the Constitution was drafted as a document that would help attract European capital to the U.S., so the wealthy white men who were writing it could get even richer. In other words, brutal, racist, extractive capitalism was, from the start, deeply baked into the document we've been taught to revere as the shining light of truth and freedom. But, even knowing this, I feel deep in my bones that the ideals, which I was taught were the underlying principles of American society, which turned out were not what the Founding Fathers were going for, are still pretty good. I mean, I'd like to live in a society where everyone is actually guaranteed the right to life and liberty, no matter who they are or where they come from. I'd like to be part of a wildly diverse society where we have the tools to govern ourselves in equitable, transparent, truly democratic ways. A society that's constantly seeking ways to make itself better, more just, more liberatory for all. 
I'm under no illusion that the U.S. could ever be described this way, founded as it was on genocide and slavery. And yet, I wonder if we can use the ideals and inspirations generated by the myth behind the Constitution and the founding of the U.S. to actually create this society. Can we use the tools at hand in the struggle for freedom and democracy? In her piece for the New York Times' 1960, sorry, 1619 project, the brilliant Nicole Hannah-Jones describes how Black folks in the U.S. have done just that from the beginning. Quote, More than any other group in this country's history, we have served generation after generation in an overlooked but vital role. It is we who have been the perfectors of this democracy. End quote. And she goes on to give many examples, including the plethora of progressive legislation that Black leaders enacted during Reconstruction and the gains made by the civil rights movement. She recounts how Black people in the U.S. have consistently risked their lives in the struggle to realize a version of American democracy that would have been anathema to the men who drafted the Constitution. And while many of the victories rising from these struggles were rolled back or are currently under attack, nevertheless, they provide concrete material examples of what a just society based on democratic principles could actually look like. Getting back to Audre Lorde's quote about the master's tools. I believe this quote is often invoked, often out of context, in a way that I think limits our imagination and shuts down possibility for radical change. And I don't think that was her intention. I understand her essay to mean that the master's tools, wielded in the way that the master wielded it, using the logic of the master, will never lead to true liberation. But I think Lord would agree with DeFranco that any tool can be a weapon. That's certainly how Lord wielded the tool of the English language, which for centuries has been used to oppress, harm, and threaten all sorts of people other than white cisgender men, but especially black people, women, and queer folks. For example, both Seen on Radio and Nicole Jones discuss the ways that the drafters of the Constitution carefully crafted its language so as not to mention the word slavery, but to nevertheless protect the practice. Lord used this master's tool deftly as a weapon with precision and passion to dismantle so many rooms in the master's house, namely racism and homophobia. Her poems and essays demonstrate that it's how you hold the tool and what you are doing with it that matters. I'm also wondering if anyone can claim complete ownership over the tools we humans have created. Where did the master's master get those tools? Are they really his? Maybe not so much. As writer and artist Sangeeta Tanapal says in a post about Lord's essay on this topic, quote, let's reclaim some of our stolen tools, end quote. <clears throat> For example, there's a lot of evidence that the U.S. Constitution was modeled on the Constitution of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy six indigenous nations located on the land now known as the U.S. Northeast. 
The wealthy white men stole the tools of democracy and warped and wrecked them. It's time their descendants hand them back. And for those of us who are searching for how to use the tools available to us to build a just and liberatory society, it's important to understand the lineage of these tools, to consider how they were developed and appropriated, to recognize where and how they were wielded to oppress, to learn from those from whom they were stolen, to try and see as clearly as possible their true potential in building the next world. To be clear, I'm not advocating for incremental changes and small tweaks to our current system. What I'm interested in is how we might actually live up to the ideals of representative democracy, which gerrymandering, the electoral college, the Senate, dark money, and more have made a complete mockery of. There's a tendency to tear things down as a way to start anew, to discard and disregard everything that came before because it's all part of an oppressive system. And sometimes that's exactly what needs to happen. But I'm interested these days in whether we can recover root systems that work and have been stolen and hidden from some of us. Whether we can build, layer, and add, not just smash and destroy. I would rather my hands not be empty or grasping at splinters, but full of dirt and calloused from hammering. Or at least, that's what the Ace of Pentacles wants from me right now. And maybe for you? <laughs>